Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. On today's show, we'll check in with the Shinola folks to see what's new at the store on Canfield in Detroit. Then with the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear just around the corner, we'll learn more about their new community initiative. And Mark Hollis had a great conversation with MSU basketball coach Susie Merchant, who's retiring for health reasons. A great show about what's happening in and around the D, coming up right after these messages. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit, brought to you by Rocket Mortgage. You know, last week I stopped in at the Great Shinola store on Canfield in Detroit, and I was greeted by several smiling faces, people asking how they could help me. So I decided it was time to check in to see how things are going at Shinola. Awanate Kabana, CEO of Bedrock Manufacturing, is here with us now. Welcome to the show, Awanate. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Awanate, first of all, just explain to our listeners how Bedrock Manufacturing is affiliated with Shinola. Bedrock Manufacturing Company is the is the parent company of Shinola and another brand in Seattle named Filson, an outdoor apparel and uh, outdoor apparel maker. And talk to us a little bit about how things are going at at this Shinola store. It's a beautiful store on Canfield. Yeah, the, the Shinola store in Canfield, and, and for that matter, the store on Woodward Avenue near the Shinola Hotel, are, are both doing very well. We've seen traffic in the stores increase year over year, and, and frankly, an increase over 2021 as well, given all that happened in, in 2020 with, with COVID. We've, we've been able to see people at, at both stores, including Canfield, out and about heading to the, the arena heading downtown, heading to concerts and events. And it's really, it's really nice to see people enjoying being in person again after, after, after COVID and, and years of, uh, of, of not being as close as we were. You know, one of the things that I noticed first off when I walked into that store was the great customer service. Talk a little bit about that effort. In your opening, you mentioned smiling faces and Hospitality is, is really one of the areas that we try to focus on to make sure that our guests have the best experience possible, both in-store, online, not just in, in Detroit on Canfield and Woodward, but throughout, throughout our, our, our 20, 20, almost 24-store network. We, we've seen a lot of activity in, in and around those stores, and we try to help foster that activity by making our stores community hubs where we host events and people really feel welcome coming in. And, you know, I kind of look at these stores as destinations, like just an activity, something to go and see and do and perhaps buy a few things. Definitely. The buying process is, is not something that we want to feel that most guests are, are coming there to do. We people, you know, we sell we sell products. Sure. sure. Right. But it's really about having the right experience and really feeling like you're in a place that's comfortable and familiar and warm. And hopefully at the end of that, you feel like buying something, but that shouldn't be the, the, the main thing that you feel when you walk into one of our stores. What are most people doing when they go into a Shinola store? What are they buying? First of all, are they just browsing? Or if they are buying, what are they buying? Because there's a lot of different things now. I mean, I saw a ton of different things other than just the watches. 
Sure. Well, watches are our staple, and we, we've always had people buying watches, and we hopefully will always have people buy watches. So people are, are still looking for our watches, especially the, the classics like the, the Runwell watch, which was the first one that, that we released almost 10 years ago. But increasingly, we found leather goods as a, as a product of, of, of interest, and we've seen leather goods sales go up uh, over the last few years. Uh, jewelry as well has been a surprise for us. We, we don't have jewelry in many stores. We, we have it online, but it is at the Canfield and Woodward stores. And jewelry has been an increasing interest to people. And, and lastly, we, we, eyewear. Uh, we, we recently uh, released a, an eyewear collection that has, been, that has been white hot over the last few weeks. And, and that shows to us that there's some resonance with, with the customer. Talk a little bit about some of the specialty watches that you have. I know they're very popular, too. Yeah, we, we try every year, in addition to our normal collection, to have some either new collections or, or limited editions that we, that we release. One that is what was released last year was the, the Mechanic. Uh, and the Mechanic is a, is a, uh, a, self-winding, uh, a self-winding watch that we haven't tried before, uh, but like the name says, it's, it's a mechanical watch. <laughs> and that, that showed there was a lot of people that had interest in that. Uh, in addition to that, we released a, a sailing watch called the, the Mackinac last year around the Mackinac races in, in northern Michigan that, that came out to great fanfare. And this year, we're going to do a, another edition of our very popular Canfield Speedway uh, in, in late spring, which is uh, a racing watch, which is which should be great and hopefully well received, given the return of the Detroit Grand Prix to to Detroit. Oh my gosh, that's probably going to be hugely popular with the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix returning to the streets of downtown Detroit, Awanate. That's that's the hope. We, we've already seen a lot of popularity in this watch. It's a it's an automatic watch. We've done it a, a few times before in very limited quantities. So. We're hoping the enthusiasm around the race, returning to downtown Detroit, as well as the already well-received watch will produce a, a, great, a great combination for not only us, but fans of Shinola in Detroit and worldwide. You know, you mentioned earlier a little bit about business being good, people coming back into the stores. How did you guys do during the pandemic? We did well. Although the pandemic was, was hard for everyone with Everything that was going on from a, a health situation, um, l- looking at stores not being open for periods of time, different locations, we, we had to temporarily close close some stores, which was difficult for not just the business, frankly, but for those employees who are depending on on those those wages to to make ends meet and to to live their lives with their family. But we saw a tremendous growth on e-commerce mm. and on Shinola.com which helped buttress some of the some of the closures of stores but it's hard although not impossible in a digital environment and on e-commerce to really to really understand what shinola hospitality is and to feel that warm smile that you felt in the store so we're 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 really glad that uh that we've been able to to reopen all the stores on a consistent basis without closing them down for for covid related outbreaks as has happened over the last three years. And I, I do want to uh, mention, we, we 
we have a, a, a relationship with uh, with Penske at the uh, for our distribution center, and those employees, as well as our manufacturing employees here at the Taubman Center in Detroit, w- worked throughout COVID to make sure that products were not only being made at the manufacturing facility, but also being delivered. And that that type of work ethic and that type of commitment can cannot be understated. So I just want to make sure I, I mention those those employees. Wow, that's really cool. So what did you learn from the pandemic as the CEO of Bedrock Manufacturing? What are some of the takeaways for you as a leader? The pandemic was hard, yeah. and it's it's not all about business. You, you really have to nurture the the relationships with people, the relationships with customers. And the one thing that I, I personally got that actually spans my personal life and professional life is experiences became much, much more important during the pandemic when we weren't able to see family and friends and loved ones and coming out of it, going to things that we we might've enjoyed, or or maybe we found time consuming like birthdays and graduations and special events with, with close friends really became much more important. And I, I think as a corollary, experiences in our stores and making sure people feel welcome and the warm smile that you mentioned uh, that I'm mentioning probably for a third time in this conversation, but that, that experience is so important and people are really looking forward to that both personally and professionally coming out of, out of the pandemic. And the Canfield store also has a really nice coffee bar where you can have, you know, tea or coffee or a little bite to eat. That's a nice touch too. We, we want people to feel welcome and, mm-hmm. We have a coffee bar at Canfield. We're lucky enough to also have one at a couple of other stores, like our store in Ann Arbor on, on Main Street near the University of Michigan. And those stores get a lot of traffic for people that just want to get coffee or want to sit and read a book or do a little work. And perhaps they browse, perhaps they buy, but it's really about making people feel familiar and warm and, and comfortable and hopefully that that association with with Shinola resonates from there. Do you have any events coming up or any initiatives that you want our listeners to know about as the year continues? Awanate Kabana? We we do. Mother's Day, graduation season, Father's Day are, are all important moments for, for those families, but also for our businesses. We, we see a lot of people that want to give Shinola as gifts, whether it's a watch or a leather bag or jewelry. And hopefully this year, given what we expect to be a, a warm summer uh, throughout the country, I wear. So we're, we're looking to hold events in, in not just our Canfield store, but our, our Woodward store and, and other stores around the country as well. D.C., Chicago, uh, Dallas, to name a few. Um, in addition to that, and later this year, this is Shinola's 10-year anniversary. This is the, the, the 10th year since Shinola started selling product, although we, we started doing prototyping in, in late 2012. The, the first Shinola watch, the Runwell, was released in 2013. So we'll, we'll have a few special opportunities for our, our guests and customers around that later in the year. And hopefully we can come back to Opportunity to Detroit to, to talk more about that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Awanate Kabana, CEO of Bedrock Manufacturing. We really appreciate it and all the best.
Thank you for having me. All the best to you as well. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. Coming up next, we are going to continue talking about the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. There's a great community effort, and you'll hear more about it in just a few minutes. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. The Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, presented by Lear, takes place in downtown Detroit June 2nd through the 4th. And although it's a fantastic weekend of racing in the city, it also brings much, much more to the metro Detroit area. Letty Azar, Vice President of Community and Government Affairs for Penske Corporation, is a major part of the Grand Prix community outreach efforts. Letty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Now, Letty, you've announced a brand new community partnership initiative, and I think it's fascinating and very smart. Talk to our listeners a little bit about the initiative. Yes, we are so excited. Last week we made a huge announcement about uh, community partnerships, and there are six corporates who have come together to help us support some of the new and unique programming that racegoers and the region can expect to see with the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix presented by Lear as we return to the streets of downtown Detroit this year, June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. So moving back uh, about 18 months ago when we started socializing the idea of returning to the streets of downtown, we you know, had the opportunity to do citywide community engagement rounds. And citizens, business owners took great time to share with us things they'd like to see new and different, again, as we kind of return the race home, so to speak, if you would, coming off of Bell Isle. And we could categorize the bulk of that feedback in three buckets, if you will. One was to focus strongly on youth enrichment, uh, secondly, small business empowerment, and thirdly, arts, culture, and entrepreneurship. And there were some other pieces as well, but really those, those three themes kind of evolved. And uh, so, you know, as we looked at what would be new and different with this event, we, we heard, you know, the feedback loud and clear and knew that we were going to need significant support uh, to help pull some of these, these initiatives off. You know, and firstly was opening so much of the circuit area for free. And I know we, we've focused a lot on the free viewing platforms, but really when you think about it, if you're familiar with the race on Belle Isle, you needed a ticket to enter the circuit area. Right. And from there, then you would find your designated seating, right? Uh, it's just the opposite here downtown. The entire circuit area, for the most part, is open for free. There are areas where you need tickets to sit. So there are ticketed grandstands. The paddock area requires a ticket. Our hospitality suites require a ticket. But everything else, Hart Plaza, Spirit Plaza, uh, the Riverwalk, um, interior of the track, Rensen will remain open. All of Jefferson, north side of Jefferson, is open for pedestrian traffic. And, yes, we have these elevated viewing platforms as well. So in order to open the circuit area for free, it was, it was, it was quite a lift. And so we had this group of community partners that came together to help us kind of underwrite the cost of some of these initiatives, right? So there's the free public viewing. Um, and then focusing on youth enrichment, we've, of course, brought our NXG Youth Motorsport Program uh, here to Detroit and uh, a significant amount of community outreach as we introduced that programming citywide, and it's made a huge splash. 
um, work with Boys and Girls Club of Southeast Michigan, we will have digital murals printed um, and placed in front of each of these viewing platforms for the world to see on race weekend. So they will be placed on our, our the barriers on the track. So if you're familiar, if you've seen the, the race before, you know, we'll have different corporate partners uh, with barrier wraps. And so if you're watching on TV, you'll see Lear, you'll see Chevrolet, you'll see our We Love Detroit wraps. Well, this year, what you'll also see is the artwork of student artists from the Boys and Girls Club of Southeast Michigan. And so we really became those students' first clients. They are themselves entrepreneurs. We contracted each of them, and they received a stipend to design these digital murals. The beauty of a digital mural is not only can we print it and put it on the barriers on the track, but then it can be printed on the T-shirts and sweatshirts and hats and swag for the kids to sell race weekends. Um, it can also be used at other, in other places in the city. So we already have a few of these community partners who have said, wow, can we take the digital mural that's going to be in front of our platform or maybe one that isn't selected, and can we find a spot in the community where we can post that, uh, that mural before race weekend? You know, Letty, I just want to mention here that these community partners are partners that are always engaged in what's going on in the Detroit community. These businesses are amazing businesses. They really understand the value of giving back. And I just want to name them real quick. American Axelon Manufacturing, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Delta Airlines, Delta Dental, Henry Ford Health, Huntington Bank, Lear Corporation, and PNC Bank. What they're doing to help you is incredible. It is. It is indeed. And they, you know, each of these organizations have had a great relationship with the community that we all mutually serve and didn't think twice to step up and help us with this. So there were natural synergies there between uh, most of the, all of these organizations and the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix uh, so we're excited. We're excited to kick off, you know, this programming that you'll see here in 2023. Again, the digital murals, free viewing, um, our small business empowerment programming starts, but does not end with the small business straightaway in Cadillac Square. Well, we'll have over 30 businesses represented from each of the respective neighborhoods. Small businesses said to us in our community engagement, they felt very disconnected to major events and. It was everything from how do I activate my business around the event downtown to, listen, we know we have people coming in from all over the country, and in our case, all over the world. We've sold tickets in 11 different countries at this point, and wanting to collectively put our best foot forward in the region, right? So how can we teach these businesses to embrace the race? So we opened our small business straightaway uh, competition, which just, by the way, is still open for submission until March 27th. But again, we'll have over 30 local businesses represented in the small business straightaway. straightaway. And then we have business corridors that said, you know what, buddy, can you guys come out and teach me more about the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix? Help us do some fun activations around race weekend. We know we have a lot of short-term rentals near the corridor. We know we're going to have a lot of race goers here, and we really want to show off our enthusiasm for the race. So all of that is made possible, again, through the generosity of these corporate sponsors who themselves are really excited uh, to get involved in some of these initiatives. So first of all, a couple questions here. Number one, mm -hmm. on the digital mural designs, how many yes. will there be? And is it a competition yes. among the kids, or how does that work? It is a competition among the kids. 
Uh, so there will be eight selected, and we've had about 15 submitted. The uh, competition, or not competition, but the design phase of those murals did end last Saturday. And uh, we will unveil those. Stay tuned because uh, in about 30 days, you'll see us unveil the winners. Mm. And uh, you guys will, of course, be made aware uh, when, when that comes out. So, awesome. And our community partners are excited to be at that press conference and help unveil those winners. Okay, now we turn to the small business straightaway, located yes. in Cadillac Square. How many, you said there will be approximately 30 businesses, but what kind of businesses will be there? Like, what yes. will we see? Yeah, um, so again, there will be roughly four to five businesses from each respective city council district, and we've made great effort to reach out into some of the business, uh, the neighborhood business corridors. So you're going to see everything from apparel vendors, and, and we're working very hard not to have a ton of crossover, right? So maybe someone's doing a Grand Prix-specific hat, and we've asked vendors to get very specific, and someone else maybe is doing a Grand Prix-specific sweatshirt. So you'll see apparel vendors. Um, we have uh, a couple of um, pet bakeries, you know, who have submitted interest in activating under the tent. We have bath and body items. We have general gifting in home goods. Um, we have a couple of, of local apiaries. So, yeah, it is everything from food to apparel to um, gifting, home goods, a number of local food trucks as well. So we will have uh, food trucks kind of surrounding Cadillac Square representing each of the respective city council districts as well. So this is fascinating because it sounds like what you're doing is you're bringing small business owners from the neighborhoods into the city. I mean, you're helping them tremendously. We absolutely are. And one of the reasons we selected Cadillac Square for the small business straightaway is um, you know, keeping in mind that so much of the circuit area is open for free and, and knowing that we're going to have probably 50,000 people a day coming yes. down for the race, right? right. Well, people aren't going to be coming from the Detroit River. They're going to be coming from the north side of this track. That's where the significant foot traffic is coming from. And so we're hoping, too, it's, it's great for our out-of-town visitors to see some of our neighborhood businesses and, and neighborhood businesses to have an opportunity to sell goods around the track. But also what I'm hoping is for local traffic, that people hit Cadillac Square, because they've got to walk past it to get to the track, right? right? And they hit Cadillac Square and say, I didn't realize that, you know, bakery opened on East Warren. We should go out and visit them next weekend. Or I didn't know there was this, this new gift shop that had opened, uh, you know, out on, on Livernois. Maybe next weekend we'll head out there. So, you know, really my, my hope and our, our hopes collectively are that we can help raise salience as much salience locally as we, we have regionally. What about all of the businesses that are currently downtown? How are they going to benefit? It's It's got to be pretty significant. It is. There are 280 businesses within a 15-minute walk north of the track. And, you know, if you think about the events on Belle Isle, right, you would, for the most part, park, shuttle to the island, enjoy a wonderful weekend on the island because we put on a pretty good event, right? Absolutely. Shuttle, unpark, and folks may have dinner downtown, they might not, but generally they would unpark and return home. Uh, we know that people are going to be passing by these storefronts far more than they ever did when the race was on Belle Isle. So I think that foot traffic is going to have a significant impact on downtown businesses. 
Um, again, back to our Embrace the Race initiative, we are working with local hotels and restaurants, the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association, as well as local business associations in direct contact with business owners to teach them, you know, whether you want to do a fun Grand Prix activated theme in your bar or restaurant, or it could be something as simple as making sure that concierge services are well informed of the schedule of events and how guests can access the Grand Prix from each hotel, to just making sure that a restaurant is well informed to, again, our schedule of events on track. When does it make sense to increase your staffing, right? When right. does the mm-hmm. event end? Okay, yeah. the track goes cold at 5 o'clock. Well, that's when people are going to be leaving the circuit area, walking back past your bar and restaurant, and that's when you need to staff up. So we just want to make sure that everyone feels well prepared, whether it's an enthusiastic checkered flag hanging in the window or it is simply help me put my best foot forward with you so that people want to come back next year and see the race again. Absolutely. Letty Azar, Vice President of Community and Government Affairs for Penske Corporation. Now, I know it's crazy busy for you right now, but in my Mm -hmm. mind, you have got a fabulous job. You are making a huge difference in the city of Detroit. Talk about how you feel about that. Yeah, thank you. I do have the best job. I am truly blessed. And, I, you know, I have to say it is quite an honor to return this event uh, back to the street, not just the streets of downtown, right? This is more than three days of IndyCar racing on the streets of downtown. It is helping uh, Detroit and the region to take ownership of this event again and to make it feel like it's ours. And, um, you know, to teach youth about a sport that uh, has largely felt out of reach, certainly, right? right. Um, And for businesses to feel included in a major event, not just our major event, but any major event when they feel that they've somewhat been left out of that conversation. And um, our our arts and culture community in Detroit is just incredibly robust, right? And so to to be able to show off our talented artists to to the world, you know, again, we've sold tickets in 11 different countries. Like I could go on and on about the excitement and enthusiasm that I have for this event and uh, how exciting, and again, what a great honor it is to, to return this event to the streets of downtown. Oh, it's awesome. You know, in the Penske Corporation, Roger Penske, Bud Denker, and everyone, you, Letty Azar, at Penske Corporation, you did wonderful things for Belle Isle, too. Ah, thank you. Yeah, we did, you know, and it was interesting as we left the island, almost $18 million reinvestment over the course of uh, this event's life on Belle Isle, and uh, well, there were some very happy to see us go, um, regardless of how people felt about us leaving the island. There was great concern about, well, what will happen now? And, um, you know, we're very proud of, of the improvements that we were part of on Belle Isle. We will continue to support uh, Scott Fountain. And I think we've, we've made that clear publicly that you know, we, we see now what an important part of kind of, you know, it's like this trigger for, for summer coming when the, when the fountain fires up. And so we will continue to support the opening and uh, function of Scott Fountain. But we have great confidence that the state of Michigan, DNR, and the Belle Isle Conservancy can uh, see Belle Isle through with grace. Letty Azar, Vice President of Community and Government Affairs for Penske Corporation. Thank you for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. You are listening to Opportunity Detroit. We'll be back right after this. On Opportunity Detroit, we like to take a look at the passing scene. 
and the story of the great Susie Merchant, MSU's women's basketball coach stepping down for health reasons, caught our attention. Mark Hollis, the chief operating officer of Rock Ventures and host of JR Sunday with Mark Hollis, had a great conversation with Susie. Growing up in Michigan um, has become familiar with the strength of Michiganders that make up our cities, towns, and villages. Susie Merchant um, recently announced that she's stepping down as the uh, head basketball coach of the women's program up at Michigan State. Throughout her career, um, just has been a giver at, at so many levels. Uh, good morning, Susie. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Jason. How are you guys? Good morning. Well, we're great. We're doing great. I want to. I want to kind of take you back, and uh, I think it's always when you make a decision like you made, it's a good time to go back and reflect um, on everything. And I'd like to start with Traverse City. Uh, you, uh, three point or three sport standout up there. Hoops, of course, volleyball, softball, earning honors in almost everything. How did city, the village, the community of Traverse City really impact who you are? Well, I always say, you know, you're never a product of your environment. You're a product of the people in your environment. And, you know, I certainly felt like I hit the jackpot as a little kid and I didn't know it at the time. But looking back now, as you mentioned, reflecting on your career and reflecting on the people that uh, have been part of that journey with you, um, I know I wouldn't be where I'm at today without that and without those people. And there's so many to mention, you know, outside of your, my own family, but, you know, one person I've always stayed in contact with, and I think you'll appreciate this, Mark, is, you know, my high school coach has been um, like a second father to me. Um, Every decision I made in the business moving forward um, in basketball, I've, you know, used his counsel when I was thinking about stepping away and retiring, he was one of the calls that I made. And, you know, he just makes you still feel good about yourself. He takes me back to being a 15-year-old kid, wanted to be an all-state player and earn a scholarship still. So it feels good to, you know, connect with people from from that place. That place is special. It's changed a lot, but it's certainly the people in it have uh, has always really embraced youth sports up there and made you feel important. No, we talked about that with Seth as well, with his coach at Farley Dickinson. Of course, Judd Heathcote um, was that person with, with me as well as my high school coach. You know, during the summer of 2010, you were inducted into the Traverse City Central Hall of Fame. Those are always great, great moments. Uh, four-year starter, three-year captain at Central Michigan. Um, you hold virtually every assist record um, known on that campus and that goes back to my my opening statement of you're such a giver um, but a college career high school career that really positioned you to be a successful coach well you know I I don't know I tell Gary my husband all the time I'm like you know you married a point guard a, a head coach and a Leo <laughs> you got the trifecta of someone that likes to you know take control mm-hmm. of things I guess you know but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, I think when you run a team, and, and you know this, Mark, you run many organizations, I think, you know, if you surround yourself with the right people, it, uh, it only enhances maybe what you, you have the opportunity to give to it. You know, I mean, I have a lot of those assist records only because the people to my right and left will put the ball in the basket, you know. So it's, it's sort of a team connection, and um, I was blessed to be part of something there that, you know, allowed me to, 
to do what I did best. I wasn't a great scorer, but I could pass the ball and defend and run a team and you know, the, the true point guard, I guess, of it all. And so I, I really, you know, I kind of got into college basketball, and I've shared this with you um, in a little bit as an accident. My high school coach again said, hey, you know, I was I was waiting tables down in Gulf Shores, Alabama, having a good time after I graduated. And he's like, hey, there's an assistant job open at Oakland. It was a small Division II um, job. And he's like, you know, I think you should, should apply for it. And I thought, well, I'll go do that until I figure out where what's next for me. And just absolutely fell in love with it and had no idea. So if not for him again, the people in Traverse City, I don't think I'd be, I would have had the opportunity to coach at Michigan State. Now, when you talk about knitting the mitten um, and you start in Traverse City, you go to Mount Pleasant, um, the first job at Oakland, then on to Saginaw Valley, on to Eastern Michigan, and on April 30th of 2007, um, named the head coach at Michigan State. You are a true Michigander uh, in every sense of the word. Yeah, and and you all know this. I mean, doing that in this business in one state is almost unheard of, I feel like. You know, maybe I've had some God winks and some some opportunities along the way that uh, other people in our business haven't. You know, usually, usually, you know, for you to get to the position at Michigan State, um, not very often do you do that all on, on the rise in your own state. You have to go somewhere else. I mean, I was offered other opportunities along the way, and, you know, I'm grateful that I just was able to do my entire career in a state that I love, uh, surrounded by people that know who I am and um, help you know get me where I'm at. Hey, Susie, it's Jason here. I, you know, just uh, as, as an athlete growing up playing a number of sports and playing college golf, I have a massive appreciation for coaches and appreciate you. I, I, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer that good coaches are, are those that can change games and great coaches are those that can change lives. So congratulations to you on the lives you've changed. And, when I think about coaches, I, I got a question for you. What, what's it like to be working across, having work across the hall from a guy like Tom Izzo? How's, how, how is that guy? Huh? Oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Is he a coffee or tea I, I guy? Know. Like, tell me a little bit about Tom. <laughs> you know what? Hollis can appreciate this. You learn, you learn a lot of different ways um, that swear words can be put together. <laughs> <laughs> it's super impressive, actually. Um, no, you know what, he's, he's, he says it like this a lot and I think he's a hundred percent right. I felt, feel like, um, you know, he's a division two guy, but he's in this power five BCS job. And, you know, that if you come up division two in small college, you get what that means. And I think, you know, he's always been the person that everybody goes to and he has time for everybody. Um, we became really, really close over the years, and certainly when this was transpiring, he was someone that I, I talked to. I think, you know, we all as coaches, and you know this, the game has changed a lot, and you, you roll with that. I think, you know, this transfer portal, you know, on the women's side in particular, maybe even more significant than NIL deals. I think the men deal with that a little more than we do right now. Um, you know, it just it's hard to build a culture off of one-year teams, and I think – for me, I was struggling with that. I didn't do it that way. I'm not sure I knew how to continue to move in a space that I didn't feel comfortable with. Um, and I use the portal. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just, I'm not sure I was the person anymore that could operate in that space. And I think, 
you know, in talking to Tom, um, he was someone that really understands the game. We both have been a head coach for 28 years. So we've seen it, you know, from its early stages now until this, this kind of new new phase that we're in. And, um, you know, bless his heart for still, still rocking that space. I mean, I just, I really felt like I did all I could do and I, I wasn't in a space where I felt like it, it was right to, to continue. You mentioned NIL and its impact maybe a little more on the men's game, but what has the impact been on the women's game? I'm curious to get your initial take. It's still a little bit in its infancy right now, but what is your take on what's happened in the NIL space for the women's game? Yeah, on the women's side, I feel like there's a lot of still, I mean, as you can imagine, there's some powerhouses on the women's side. And, you know, those those teams are the ones that I think kids are, they've been drawn to anyway, but now you throw in the fact that, they have a little more NIL connections, um, whether it be within their towns or, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly nationally. I think right now those are the the women that are getting the most on the basketball side anyway. Um, You know, we've had local deals as well, um, you know, at Michigan State. But I think, you know, that's just starting to surface on our side. It's it's less of a factor. I think the portal has changed more of our game and um, teams than – than certainly the NIL has at this at this point anyway. I think the men's side is a different story. I think you see a lot of teams in there that probably not only hit the portal, but the portal with some financial gain. So I think it's hit the men's side much harder than the women's at this point. Susie Merchant, um, you've impacted so many lives, um, not only in East Lansing, but across our state. The players, uh, 49 All-Big Ten, you know, 76 academic All-Big Ten. You look at the organizations you've been associated with across Michigan. Um, just just an incredible giving, and um, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. You're going to be missed on the sidelines there at the Breslin Center, but I'm really looking forward to what's next for you, Gary, Tyler, Brady, and uh, all that you do. I just can't thank you enough. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you both. Appreciate the time. JR Sunday with Mark Hollis airs every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. I'm Ann Thomas. Thanks for listening to Opportunity Detroit and enjoy the rest of your weekend.